welcome back to Tuesday at Dobbs's. Thank you so much everyone as always for sharing all of your thoughts. Comment section in the YouTube videos is probably the best place because it's brilliant for me to flick through and check all of your thoughts and feelings. But if you've got a longer story and also some pictures to share, you can send an email over to hi at Tuesday at Dobbs.com and also on Instagram where I share a few of your stories and pictures. That is Tuesday underscore at underscore Dobbs. I started off last week's episode quite smug, mentioning that if you're buying a slightly older bike, you need to know some good aftermarket parts companies. And I was saying that World of Triumph is a good place for me. Now that Triumph motorcycles aren't properly stocking parts, it's fine because I've got World of Triumph and they've got everything in stock. So I ordered the gasket from World of Triumph thinking this is perfect. It will be with my mechanic in two days time. But a day later, World of Triumph messaged me and said, sorry, Freddie, the part won't be in stock until early September. I then had a look around other places thanks to a lot of your comments and input, and I found another company that said they've got the part in stock, ordered the part yesterday, and still, I've just checked this morning, it says order pending, and I don't know if I'm going to get that part. I'll come back to this in a second, but as it stands, there will be no motorbike for the entire summer. There's one bit of news I want to get to. Sad news, Ace Cafe. Ace Cafe, it's been around it must be decades. It's a place in North London where petrol heads have met for years and years. You have bike nights, car nights, everyone gathering together. But I've been, I've been less than I used to. I used to go all the time and it seems to be getting less popular. I don't know if that's with all of this emissions zone situation that we've got in London where these old classic vehicles now can't enter the city, all of the restricted roads where they're getting rid of normal roads and replacing with bus lanes etc etc but it's been struggling over recent years and they just did a post on instagram this is the world famous ace cafe bear in mind friday night closures as a consequence of block capitals here illegal and unacceptable behavior back to normal caps the ace will close on fridays at 6 p.m until further notice. Thank you or thanking you in advance for your support and understanding. This used to be the, the huge night at Ace Cafe. I remember going down, I drove cars more than bikes, I was more interested in cars when I was growing up, but everyone in their modified cars would be turning up at Ace Cafe, at getting something to eat and then ripping down to South End or something like that. I used to love going. And they do bike nights, and I've been to a few of these as well. But I, I have felt they've been struggling over recent years at Ace Cafe. Bike sheds seem to be bang up to date as a thoroughly modern place to meet, for, to meet for bikers. But Ace Cafe, I feel they've just slightly been left behind. So I hope that somehow, somehow they can figure things out. What's interesting? Bike shed? and also Caffeine and Machine, which is another place that petrol heads meet up in, I think it's in the Staffordshire area of England. Both of these places are very strong 
on the fact that they don't allow people to be loud, revving their engines, doing burnouts, doing anything like that at all. They're both incredibly strong in it. Caffeine and Machine actually say, at the entrance when you start to go into their premises, don't be a beep, basically don't go revving your engines. And I was wondering if I've always been like this, because now I think it's, you know, people doing burnouts and donuts and stuff like that. Of course, it's going to have to close because no one else apart from a few select bikers actually enjoy people doing burnouts outside of a meeting place. But I remember when I was 17, 18 and 19, and I used to like buying Max Power magazines, I used to quite like it. And I can't quite decide in my mind if it's because I'm older now or because we as bikers in the biker community is ever evolving. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I move on to parts issues. I've just got a few here to share. This is with regards to huge lead times waiting for basic parts like my Bonneville. Have a listen to this from Derek. Freddie, I've been waiting three months and have just been told mid-July for brake calipers. There are apparently no front brake calipers for my 2018 Harley-Davidson Tri-Glide Ultra Classic in the UK, EU or USA. You know, I was having a chat with my dad yesterday about this, saying that parts for Triumphs can be difficult to get. My dad said, I'm maybe not surprised with Triumph because it's relatively much smaller than the Japanese brands, but Harley-Davidson, that's a surprise. I'm amazed by that. I've heard about more Harley issues for parts than I thought I would. Moving on, that was from, that was Derek. This is V-Twin 6683, similar problem with a friend's Triumph 955. Couldn't get a 39 pound head gasket, so had to buy a complete gasket set at 409 pounds. From Rover Chat, regarding parts, Freddie, I've got two BMWs, one from the 70s, one from the 80s. Most parts, certainly all service parts, are available. Within, within 48 hours from the UK specialists, some are genuine OEM and some are quality aftermarkets or aftermarket. I can't understand what the issue with Triumph is. Move on to the Chrome Ronin. I'm in New Zealand. My daughter has a Super Soko electric bike. We had a fault with the battery. It had to be sent to Australia for service. It took 10 weeks for the parts to arrive from China, battery to be serviced and returned, and the New Zealand dealers did not have a spare I could borrow in the meantime. Unbelievable. Moving on to Pete, I had a Honda, does happen to the Japanese stuff, I had a Honda 125 2021 model, the fault was an engine warning light that kept coming on, the cause couldn't be understood, so Honda agreed to a warranty claim to replace the top half of the engine. £1,000 worth of parts, not including labour. The claim was raised in September 2022. And the final part was required to do the work that arrived Feb 2023. That's five months of back order on parts for a bike that's not two years old. On to Poland from Daniel Freddy, head gasket 2011 Bonneville. One day waiting time apparently. That was two months ago. Yeah, and from Yamark, regarding parts, parts such as globalization, make it cheap, sell it dear, put people out of work for the benefit of the few. Triumph, 
their products full of Union Jacks promoting the Britishness, yet nothing made in the UK. The new models made in India. So an Indian product helping the Indian economy, warehouse UK we've become. Hence food banks and welfare dependency. This is a brilliant argument, Yamark. I really, really enjoy this because last time I brought this argument up about where things are made, I used the argument that these Norton motorbikes look stunning. Yes, they're hugely expensive at £16,000, but they're hand, handmade. They're made in England. So you have to, in my eyes, you do have to pay a slight premium because our salaries are so much higher than over in India. And we don't have the colossal economies of scale that the Indians have because the Indians build bikes unlike anyone else. They have a colossal biking, well, they've got a colossal biking customer base so they can build on a scale that we could never build on. So you're, you're not going to get economies of scale. You're not going to get the cheaper labor. So if you want made in the UK, you're probably going to have to pay Norton levels of money. And then that just in itself divides opinion with people saying Norton's too expensive. And then some saying, look, if you want to support a British made in Britain brand, then you're going to have to pay the price for it. It's a really interesting argument. I move on to Rushi 67. Freddie KTM 890R, brand new, exactly the same problem with getting parts from a main dealer. Seems to be a worldwide problem with companies who deal specifically with China for the production of parts and accessories. I still have a part on back order for this bike and I no longer even have the bike. Months of waiting. I'm now back on a triumph. I'll do two more here. This one's from Richard, Freddie. The lesson here, and this is with regards to giving it to a garage and, and expecting a garage to spend time sourcing parts for me. So Freddie, the lesson, unless you're willing to do the legwork, the garage will not do it for you. After being told it wouldn't be the next day delivery on parts, you should have asked for a parts list, jumped on the phone and sorted it yourself. Relying on a garage to, uh, sorry, relying on a garage or manufacturer to bother is always fraught with disappointment. The bike would have been done weeks ago. However, most service industries use the old waiting for spares as an excuse to either not do the work or hold on until you've got a gap available, then the parts suddenly arrive. Brackets, I've done it myself plenty of times. Richard, I get this now. Because this gasket isn't available for my Bonneville anywhere I can find it, it's honestly taken me about two to three hours of searching and looking around at different places. And bear in mind, I still don't have it. So how does it work with mechanics? Would they have to charge me for three hours of searching work just to find a part? I understand their point of view because it just doesn't make sense them spending half a day searching for parts and then they've got to bill me however much they charge an hour, 60, 90 pounds an hour, just for parts searching. So I do get it. One final one from Tommy in Poland. Freddie, isn't there a UK company which is doing bespoke gaskets? I live in Poland and in my city, not huge. Sorry, a party going on here at 10.55 on a Tuesday morning. Fascinating. 
I continue. Thank you, Tommy. I had a look at this, Tommy, after you sent me this over, and you're absolutely right. I went on to Google and I typed gasket specialist, and there are specialists in the UK that all you have to do is send, I think, your product number, and they can just cut the gasket. And this is hugely beneficial for bikes that aren't that popular or simply bikes where you can't find a part. There are a lot of specialist companies where you just send them the product name and they can just use one of their machines and cut you a gasket exactly to specification. So I have actually emailed one of these companies. They immediately came back to me and said, Freddie, yes, we can do it. How many gaskets do you need? Now, I found this interesting because this shows UK-based company that they have no issue being able to manufacture this exact gasket to specification. Their only concern is how many do you want? Or their only question is how many do you want? Which, which is almost frustrating to think about because here they are, companies in the UK that can easily make these gaskets for me. Yet I'm having to wait for three months for them to be shipped probably halfway around the world. So this will be my backup plan, Tommy. Thank you for that. I'll try this company if I don't get it, this gasket from the other company that is still pending. I move on. Noise restrictions. This is really polarizing. Restricting motorbikes or banning motorbikes from certain places because they're just too, too loud and because they're just too loud and obnoxious. Example, the Pyrenees. I've had a far, far more diverse range of opinions here than I thought I would. Let me share a few of them. From Hulk Hate Puny Banner. To be honest, car owners don't go into the woods and rev their engines for no reason whatsoever. Somewhere, there's a motocross rider with a two-stroke we should be thanking for this. Another, Rexford Moto. Be careful what you're okay with, Freddie. You're okay with banning bikes at a certain arbitrary DB level. Others are okay with banning bikes outright. Giving an opening leads to more bans. Advice from a freedom-loving American. On to no private property. Freedom from pollution supersedes freedom to pollute, annoy, or endanger. There are 8 billion people uh, that have to share this planet. See, I, I get that argument, I do, but then it's like, it's like the freedom-loving American said, how far does this go? Example, we should all stop eating red meat because that is the most polluting thing for the planet with regards to food, the, the amount of land it takes. So we should all stop eating that. So that should be banned. And really all diesel vehicles should be banned as well immediately. And I guess you could probably also say all petrol vehicles should come off the road as well. Should we ban flights? Should we ban any food that's not produced locally? because of the environmental impact it has. I just feel with that argument, we'd go down a very dangerous slope of no one actually being able to enjoy themselves and live the own, their own life that they want to live if we restrict too much. And that is, that is not a world 
I want to live in. I move on to Giancarlo Benzina. Uh, ah, okay, I have uh, someone who's not a fan here. Giancarlo, straight talking, living, driving, riding folks in Scotland, the opposite to England, 1000%. And English YouTubers, it's good that people protect themselves from UK lunatics in the Pyrenees. They just don't want it, and living there have the right to do so. It's not, block capitals, your place. Sucker. Clearly not popular. Thank you, Giancarlo. Moving on to Goldwing again. If I drive my bike slowly, say 60 miles an hour, it's quiet. Why not just find bikes that break a certain decibel display signs? Then everyone would use the correct gear to minimize noise. It's getting too draconian and anti-motor anything. Freedom of choice is being eroded and we have become way less tolerant as a nation. See, I agree with this because I know for a fact, I was told by a Welsh rider, that they're about to start bringing out not speed cameras, but noise cameras, for want of a better word, noise cameras to check the decibel levels on all vehicles. So it's completely possible to do. In fact, I would say it's perfectly easy to do that. I move on. Big bad jock. Maybe there'll be less people wanting to ban bikes if fewer bikers remove baffles, adding race exhausts and revving the nuts off bikes in towns and villages. I frequently go out to a small village in Essex, a popular bike haunt. 95% of bikers are respectful and quiet. Then you get 5% of idiots revving up, doing wheelies and then leaving. Nobody would like to live near that noise on a constant weekly basis. You know, big bad jock, you're echoing here exactly what's about to happen with Ace Cafe in London. Because Ace Cafe in London, the majority of people now are around about 19 year olds with 125cc bikes, all wheeling, doing donuts, things like that on a Friday. And they're wanting to build lovely new apartments there. And people spending a million pounds on new apartments are not going to be too happy with these kind of things going on. Moving on, final one here. Motorcyclists did it to themselves when they buy these stupidly loud exhaust systems. They annoy me too, living in a village and hearing them every weekend race around. This is why I'm in favor of having sound cameras and fines for these idiots. Moving on now, small bikes. A few of your bits of input here. Are smaller bikes more fun? Big adventure bikes, this is from user CX. Big adventure bikes are great if you're a six foot five bodybuilder, but for most people, I'd say just avoid them. Never buy a bike you can't pick up. It's that simple. I had an old friend getting onto this and I didn't know his friend, but he had a friend and he was a shorter gentleman. So every time he'd buy a new bike, he had to go into a dealership and get on the bike. First of all, make sure he could get his feet low enough on the bike. But then I'm sure the salesman would have been looking incredibly nervous. He'd stand next to each bike he was interested in and lower it down as much as he physically could and then lift it up to make sure he could lift it up. And if he could lift it up and get his feet low enough on the floor, then he knew it was a bike for him. 
I mean, don't ask what would happen if he couldn't lift it up. I assume there'd be some desperate screaming in the sales room. But that was his method. He, he found it so critical that he would be able to buy a bike that he could lift up that he would always have to do that test for every new bike. Moved on to Masked Avenger. The thing about touring on smaller capacity machines is you tend to take things more chilled and see things you wouldn't notice when riding a big touring bike down autobahn, down autobahns at 100 miles an hour. Also, the smaller bikes are more likely to get to places the larger bikes can't. They're also more likely to be uh, the same or similar to the bikes used by locals, and this makes it more easy to get parts, or at least to get some temporary bodge to get you to a big town dealer. You can also shove a small bike, I like this, you can shove a small bike on a small boat and travel down mangroves and across rivers. I always buy Hondas and Suzukis. Never had one breakdown on me and always managed to get gaskets and any parts needed to service and overhaul them, even ones 20 years old. Don't rub it in. Every time I purchase any make other than the big four Japanese makes, other than the big four Japanese makes, I've had issues and living nightmares. Final points. I've always found I got more feeling of accomplishment getting places on smaller machines. The best adventure bike is a bike that you have serviced, prepared and have ready to go. Road to freedom. Getting a bike that fits you is such a personal quest we all have to go on. You can read as many reviews and watch as many videos as you want, but the only way to know is either by getting a rental for at least a few days or just ownership to know if a motorcycle really suits you. And sometimes our goals change and then the motorcycle has to change. I've swapped a few motorcycles in the past few years and now I've found the one for me. Honda Trans Alp 750. Ticks all the boxes and it makes me feel a way no other motorcycle has done. It's really interesting you say that. I love reading this. Because after getting back on the Interceptor in Scotland, I realised actually that if, if I was looking, if I were looking for another bike, the Interceptor or the BSA Gold Star, the BSA Gold Star suits my riding position better. I find it more comfortable and slightly more laid back. And the only way I managed to find that out is by doing extended mileage on both of them. I think the BSA, I only had for a day, but I had it for a good day of use. And the Interceptor I've used a lot now. And I find the BSA more comfortable. So if it were between the two of them, I now know that I'd pick the BSA for my next bike, as an example. But I only know that from having extended rides on both of them. And it really makes such a big difference for me. The, the Interceptor just doesn't quite fit me and the ergonomics. It's quite interesting actually that. So that's a really good point you make. I move on to motorcycle security. Miliona Vespa. I wonder, do many people use... Oh, this is about trackers. Do many people use a well-hidden Apple tag on their bikes? And has anyone recovered their vehicles using them or are they just a complete waste of time? Michael replies, or Michael shares his input. I used a Samsung Galaxy Smart Tag Plus on my motorcycle. Then I can easily find it if it gets stolen. It costs here in Denmark £35 and only needs a new 
only needs a new 2032 battery once in a while, or maybe that's the size of battery. Only needs a new battery once in a while anyway. My son uses an air tag on his motorcycle. The tags are very easy to hide. Moving on to UK Vamp. I've been looking at trackers and one thing I would say is that Monimoto only has one way to give its location. And tests have shown it was, it was useless if your bike was put into a van or underground parking. Bike track, bike track, sorry, on the other hand, is expensive, but it has more than one form of tracking. So for me, bike track is well worth it if you can afford it. And Monimoto is definitely better than no tracking if on a budget. Moving on to Clive. I don't understand why anyone would buy a tracker as an anti-theft gizmo for their bike. Who's going to retrieve the bike? Do the people in the call center put, put on Batman suits or do they just inform the police who will do nothing? The clearest way to understand the effectiveness of these devices is to do an insurance quote with and then without the tracker. The last time I tried, there was no difference. This means they are not considered to be in any way effective, otherwise the premium would be lower. Yeah, there's maybe some truth in that, Clive. I remember when I used to live in South East London, there were three bikes stolen. This is a success story. All of them were recovered because all of them had trackers, but every single one of them was recovered by the owner themselves. The police didn't have time to go and look for the, the bikes. It was the owners of the bikes that recovered all of them. They had to actually do this work off their own back. So find where the bike was and then head off chasing it down. But they had to do it themselves. Sabine from the USA now. Dear Freddie, you recently showed a Kawasaki ZRX 1200, which was the last bike I owned. I've included a picture. This is a big brute. I loved the smooth ride and easy handling of the 122 horsepower. I got my license at the sweet age of 27 when my oldest son was just over a year old. Currently living on Long Island, New York. And anyone who's familiar with this area knows that riding a motorcycle here is as close to signing a death wish as you can get. It's too crowded and most drivers are unaware of their surroundings. However, I will be moving to a different state with less traffic within the year. I'm now considering a purchase of a new motorcycle. Living in the US, I always thought it should be a Harley Davidson. I haven't been on a motorcycle for 13 years and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for me. My thoughts go towards a cruiser slash tourer slash adventure bike with which I can go on long trips. I plan trips or I plan to travel Route 66 in two years time. In remembrance of my brother who passed away several years ago, we have planned uh, or we had planned to take a three month sabbatical to travel Route 66 with our motorcycles. And it'd be wonderful to do that on a newly owned bike. That's a lovely story, Sabine, really nice. I, I mean, the, the thought of doing it on a Harley Davidson is amazing. My new favorite Harleys, Sabine, from the lineup right now, if you're looking at new bikes, my favorite ones 
and there's no reason why they wouldn't be brilliant for you as well. The Softail Standard is a lovely looking bike. Really, really beautiful. I think that is just stripped back simplicity and elegance. I also like the Softail Deluxe, but I want to chuck in one other slightly left field choice purely because it's not a Harley Davidson. When I was on the Highland Scramble, there was uh, an American lady. She came over from the US and she had a lovely garage of vehicles. But her favorite motorbike in her collection, and she had a lovely collection, including a Sportster, was the new model of Triumph Speedmaster. It's just such a beautiful bike. Cruiser style, low seat height, so really, really manageable. She, she can have panniers on it. She's got this beautiful custom orange leather Corbin seat. She's done a few different bits and pieces to it to make it her own. And she loved it. She proudly showed me. Let me see if I've got a pic. I'm sure she sent one on WhatsApp. She shared the pics with the group and we were all just drooling over this bike. So if you're looking for something slightly different from Harley, I would fairly highly recommend the Speedmaster. Certainly, she raved about it. So take a look at that, Sabine. And I wish you many miles of happy riding. What a trip that will be. Final one. Bike of the week. This comes from Lee. Freddie can get a more, can get a modern, a more modern. Twisting so many words today. Freddie can get a more modern update on this by looking for a Valkyrie. Utterly stunning bike. In my opinion, would be my choice over any of the comparable Harleys. Regards, Lee. Let's have a look at this, Lee. Honda Valkyrie, 1996 to 2005. 1500 cc six cylinders. Six cylinders. 309 kilos and 99 horsepower. Okay, let's get this up here. MCN rating. I mean, look at this. MCN rating four and a half or four out of five. Owner's rating. It's Honda. Just, it is incredible. Owner's rating of five out of five stars for the Honda Valkyrie. A 1.5 litre six cylinder bike. Five out of five stars. Reliability from owners. Five out of five stars. Brilliant looking bike. Let me have a look and see what I can find here on the used marketplace. In fact, I just want to share one more interesting fact about this. The Valkyrie was offered, I've just seen this, with a reverse gear in Japan and the Valkyrie was made in the United States at the Honda Motorcycle Plant in Marysville, Ohio. So it is an American made bike. What can we find here? Because it is a beautiful looking thing. Facebook Marketplace. First of all, there are not many of these. These are seriously rare bikes. I think there are only about four available on Auto Trader. But I found a slightly better value one on Facebook Marketplace. I begin. 1998 Honda F6C. Type in F6C first. It will probably come up more than the Valkyrie. 30,000 miles on the clock. Gold. Excellent condition. One owner from new and garaged. One owner from new for 1998 bike. The price, 4,950 pounds. 
So for five grand, you get a 1.5 litre bike with just one owner. I think it looks a little bit like a Japanese version of the Triumph Rocket, actually. I see very similar, or very definite similarities in that. Really, what a bike to own. We'll leave it on that. I mean, if you've got five grand and you fancy something less left field, I'm just letting that soak in. Five grand is not a lot of money for such a conversation starter of a bike. I'll end it there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Have a fantastic week all. Speak to you all in the next one.